Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to See Also. I'm Brody Lancaster. And I'm Kate Jinks. So this is a special episode for International Women's Day. This one goes out to Lydia Tarr. <laughs> She's figured out what it is by now, maybe. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, it's a replay of our conversation about the documentary The Janes and the fictionalized film about them called Call Jane. Uh, the episode was our 16th episode, our sweet 16th episode, BL. It was called That's the Patriarchy Babes. But the conversation hasn't ended around this. And we thought it was a good time to to re-up it. We're actually both going to be seeing Bikini Kill on International <laughs> Women's Day, which I reckon is like, it's so fitting that it's a little bit on the nose. Yeah, like it's gone it's gone around from like fitting to like deeply ironic or something. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like it's so sentimental that we're going to be like screaming along to Bikini Kill songs <laughs> on the 8th of March. <laughs> when we first recorded this episode, the news about the overturning of Roe v. Wade was very fresh and it's still the reality for a lot of people. So if you're not feeling up to a discussion about reproductive rights, Although the conversation is not all doom and gloom, we found the documentary very inspiring and it's a highly recommended watch. Um, but if you are in need of a more Galentine'sy audio situation for International Women's Day, we both recommend going back to episode 24, which was our Toy Poodle episode all about Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. So Jinxie, you mentioned before the news that came out of America, the Supreme Court decision about Roe vs. Wade on the weekend. Is this the first truly furious moment of our podcast, Bill? <laughs> this afternoon I had my about an hour of fury. Now I feel kind of 
beaten down by mm-hmm. it and I'm sure I will ride like another f- three waves before I go to bed tonight. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I have been dealing with also. But this film that we are going to talk about still, and I understand that, I don't know, m- maybe people are feeling like they've read everything. They just can't deal with it anymore. Yeah. Um, I totally get that. And I also feel like that at yeah. the moment. However, this documentary is great. It's such a good watch. And I think that it will be quite stirring for a lot of people ultimately. Yeah, I think it's really, really quite something to watch in 2022, this film about people who in the 1960s before Roe v. Wade, when abortions were still illegal and quite dangerous in America, this group of women who kind of took matters into their own hands and said, if no one's going to care for us, how are we going to care for one another? And the systems that they created to be able to do that as this kind of group that has been captured in books and now in several films, like over the years, just the way that they banded together and got to fucking work is really inspiring to me. Yeah, truly. So this uh, this film, The Janes, by Emma Pilders and Tia Lesson premiered at Sundance earlier in the year where I saw it and was really stunned by it. Also at Sundance was Call Jane, which is a fictionalised version of this mm. story starring Elizabeth Banks, and it's directed by Phyllis Naji, who wrote the screenplay for Carol, Todd Haynes' Carol. We love you, Phyllis. We love you, Phyllis. But, yeah, this documentary is so interesting. It really kind of dives quite deep into... Like it sets a scene of what was happening in America at that time as far as abortion rights, the medical system, and mm-hmm. also women's liberation, where every, where they were all kind of meeting at this one particular point in time and then delves quite deep into a couple of the women's stories. So if you're not familiar with the Janes, they were a group of women activists who banded together and helped obtain abortions for women who could not get them because they were illegal for differing amounts of money Mm -hmm. um, and kept it all very anonymous. And then over time they actually began to perform the abortions themselves. These were not doctors Mm. or, you know, did not, not medical professionals. Yeah. While they were active, they provided more than 11,000 abortions. Mm. It is wild Mm. yeah and they the way that they got it done was they they chose the name Jane one of them had a phone at her apartment that she kind of volunteered for use they created an answering machine message saying if you need to speak to Jane like leave your name and phone number and we'll you know get back to you and they advertised on bulletin boards and in classifieds and I believe in like feminist publications and things like that. It said, need an abortion, call Jane or need help, call Jane. And women called in the thousands. And yeah, like you said, the the people who could afford to pay more paid more and that paid for the women who didn't have any money to get the service. And at the time, like the Janes were based in Chicago. And so the film kind of opens there with the story of what was happening before this, before there was kind of a way to access a safe abortion. Um, they were handled by the mob who would kind of just leave these poor girls post-procedure without any of their money. They took whatever money they had really desperate in like bad parts of town and just had to figure out how to recover and make their way home. And so the Janes 
not only provided the service, but they provided transport and they had systems in place where the women kind of weren't seen together going in and out of like a doctor's office. They would kind of take them to an apartment and then to another place and then they'd get them home again at the end of the day. Yeah, and they could set up a surgical room in like five minutes or something and they could pack it down in five as well. Yeah. You know, like they really had it down to a very fine art by the end of their time together. Mm. And, yeah, like they're so inspiring, these women who – they really put themselves at such risk, but they also put their families at risk by being a part of it and performing these illegal surgeries, um, procedures, Mm. but just these women who came together and the reasons why they were a part of it. So not all of them had had abortions themselves, you know, like they'd had to help their, you know, friend at college who'd been raped and, Mm -hmm. you know, like there are all these different stories. Some of them were mothers and had children and just, yeah, felt the call. Yeah. And their children were around while they were taking the calls and providing the (laughs) procedures, which is amazing. Yeah. And they would, when the phone rang, they would write the details of each woman down on an index card and, Mm. and take these very like sparse amount of details um, and ask the women what they could afford to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, and, and also how they felt like there's, there's a really incredible scene where the women now who are in their like seventies, eighties are going through the note cards that they still have these thick yellow index cards and they're reading out just words that are scrawled down, like terrified zero dollars, 16 years old, 16 weeks along, like scared. Mm. There's also one that says bad vibes, which I noticed. <laughs> I wonder what happened to that woman. I wonder where she yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and also looks at the women who were in the collective were largely from some kind of some level of privilege. They were mostly white and they knew that they could kind of get away with it if they were held accountable for it. They seem to now be reflecting in similar ways to like, you know, recent ish documentaries about like the riot girl movement, for example, like with hindsight, women from these kind of like feminist groups look back and kind of reconsider um, the structures and like all of that kind of thing involved in the way that they operate. The Jane's story is, is, it's so incredible. It's the kind of thing that when you first hear about it, you kind of can't believe that it ever existed because they, they feel almost like superheroes, you know, these women. And like you said, there's Call Jane. I also found out that there was another film that was made a few years ago called... There's one called AKA Jane Rowe. I've never heard of that one. There was one in 2018 apparently called Ask for Jane. There's a book uh, written by Laura Kaplan, who was a part of the service. Um, And also when I was looking up, I was trying to find a review of this film and I came across a tweet from the writer Maura Donegan who said that she had seen, been to a screening of a PBS documentary from 1996, which was just called Jane. And apparently that was the first time that many of them spoke publicly or maybe were... um, appeared on screen and she tweeted honestly one of the most inspiring parts of the montage of Jane veterans were that they all talked about how much they detested each other interpersonally so many variations of we did not need to be best friends to get the work done and they kind of reject it being called the Jane collective because they were adamant that like no we weren't like a unit we just all came together for this kind of common 
goal. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think that's really important to. It's the kind of shit that bogs us down today. You know, I say us like very broadly, the idea that you can only work with or share the same values as people that you like or would have as a friend. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that you kind of fall in love with a couple of the women in the documentary. Though. There's God. one and she was so young when she was doing it. And eventually, this is not a spoiler, it's historical. The police did raid one of their procedures mm-hmm. uh, in 1972. And one of the police asked her what was for lunch. And she said, pig. <laughs> and like, I love it. I love that spunky, yeah. spiky ACAB attitude. You're seeing a woman who kind of, you know, looks like, she, she could be my grandma or, you know, my friend's mum, and she's just like a brutal little punk still. I know. And at the time she was, you know, younger than us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that really struck me. Like I watched this film a couple of weeks ago. And so by the time the news came out last weekend from America, I, I, I had the Janes very fresh in my head and something in the last few days that's really struck me as I've been thinking about the film more is just feeling really kind of a little lighter or a little more emboldened by the fact that these specific women are still around and like women like them are still around women from that era of activism and reproductive justice are still here while the fight continues and has been kind of renewed, I guess they're still so full of passion and there was so much determination back then to just get the shit done that needed to be done. And it really is like inspiring to me that there are like systems will always fail us and that it is up to us to kind of find the solutions for one another. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I watched this back in February and like I said, was really stunned by it. I I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. And, um, I actually rewatched it uh, on Saturday night after I heard the news of what was happening in America because I really, it felt quite special when I first watched it and I kind of wanted that feeling again. Mm. I think I wanted that kind of feeling of collective power, yeah, which is just so important. Mm. It's streaming now on Binge in Australia and HBO in the US and could not recommend it enough. While I am so grateful for the women who are the Janes and who are still speaking out about it, you know, I, I saw them speak at, I've seen them speak at a couple of panels this year because of the documentary coming out, Mm -hmm. but there is still, I don't know, there's this one tweet that was tweeted over the weekend and Mm -hmm. it made me so upset with rage. Uh, Elaine Boosler, famous stand-up comedian, Mm -hmm. she tweeted uh, this thing that like it's so callous anyway I'm gonna read it out okay I'm gonna tell you a secret my generation of women is not gonna march for you we're livid we voted marched fought suffered were butchered bled we won we tried to tell you but you said don't condescend to us you were too busy getting butt implants to vote organize get it good luck I just I my girlfriend read it out to me and I was just like, a, put my cutlery down, you know, like I, I yeah. could not really deal with it. I just, this idea. The callous is the word. Yeah. You that said just it. like putting the blame back on women. It's just, and like that it becomes this sort of 
issue about like beauty standards as well and it's like that's the patriarchy at work babes but you know it's also not that like that didn't exist when she was fighting but also that that fighting for something ends like that they fought for it they won and therefore that's it like we're done. Yeah. That, like w- the world does not work like that at all. You know, if you win one thing, you need to bring up the people behind you mm-hmm. to to be level, you know, for equality, for that kind of justice. Uh, and, yeah, I don't – I just am so livid. Anyway, it's getting quite a lot of traction. Uh, and, yes, I did delete Twitter off my phone <laughs> But it was it was read out to me, so you know. <laughs> I'm not going to call you a hypocrite. Disclaimer: um, That's horrifying. I hadn't seen that, but the first thing that is coming to my mind is like, Sinead O'Connor, fight the real enemy, Elaine. Like, who the fuck are you mad at, really? Like, if your issue is with young women wanting to look hot, like. What, are you going to fight against them while they're trying to access fucking reproductive health care? Truly. Who are you mad at? Yeah, truly, right. And why are you just trying to be a bit of a cunt at a time when people are really fucking hurting? Yeah, really low. And terrified. And it's, you know, anyway, I've got a couple of C also. Uh A slightly happier, not a happier note, but a better note than that. Yeah. One New Yorker piece that's been getting a lot of traction, rightfully, is Gia Tolentino's piece. Uh, We're not going back to the time before Roe. We are going somewhere worse. Really, everyone needs to read this. Mm -hmm. But also, it just came out another New Yorker piece uh, called The Final Hours in One of America's Largest Abortion Clinics. And it details the final day of an abortion clinic in Houston, Texas, as they found out that... Roe v. Wade had been overturned and they had patients waiting for abortions and suddenly the people at the clinic had to say to them, I'm sorry, we can't, it's illegal, I can't perform this today. And had to send these, you know, pregnant people home with pamphlets about what they can do. And apparently the pamphlets had information of three clinics that they could contact interstate and two of them had already been shut down. You know, it's like it's very grim. Anyway, I think... It really put things into perspective to me of exactly who is being affected here. Mm. And, of course, it is an issue of privilege and of class. It is a way to keep people on the poverty line down. Yeah. It's only going to increase disadvantage. It's going to make people sicker and it's going to fucking kill people. Yeah, exactly. It's horrifying. Abortions will still happen. Just more people will die. On that kind of sad note, there was also a really good episode, a special episode of the New York Times podcast, The Daily, the other day. Roe v. Wade is overturned. And you do get to hear from some pro-life, the dumbest phrasing ever is Anti-choice. Anti-choice. Yeah. People rallying and celebrating. And it really got my uh, blood boiling. It kind of stopped me in my tracks listening to that. I I wasn't expecting to hear these, like, chants and, like, songs in celebration of it. I thought at first that I was listening to a protest opposing the decision and then I kind of had to, Mm. like, take a second glance. That was so hard to hear. Yeah, I really recommend that episode as yeah. well. The last thing I want to say, I guess, on this is that I've seen a lot of smug Australians online on social media, you know, being like, abortion is legal in Australia. Like, 
I feel really sorry for you, America. And that's, I just, ugh, like, we're not. I've seen we, a lot of that as yeah, well. We have our own problems. And I, it's a slippery slope, of course. Uh, yeah. So I thought that maybe it's a good idea that in Australia that we brush up on the abortion laws here and what it actually means. Mm. So I looked up exactly what it is, what the laws are state by state and Mm -hmm. how they actually differ from state to state. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that in South Australia, you need two doctors to agree to give you an abortion for the health or mental well-being of the of the person at risk. And in most other states, you only need one doctor until the 22-week mark. Mm. Um, in Victoria, it's 24. Anyway, I found that fascinating. And also there was a 7 a.m. podcast episode from last year about people in Wagga seeking to terminate their pregnancies and being unable to. That was really fascinating that we can link to. I want to revisit that episode. Yeah, I'm with you. I brushed up on the laws in Australia too because I saw a lot of smug Australians and people in Aotearoa in New Zealand doing the same thing. And it's something that we see in Australia when children are gunned down in schools in America. They like to point out that that's not a problem here I never have to worry about that here in Australia. And I always want to say, like, who is this for? Is it for the people who are really fucking scared right now? Like, who who are you doing this for? The smug satisfaction of it. It's so unhelpful. And also abortion in Australia is a state by state issue, just as it now is in America. That's Mm -hmm. the issue that is in America now. Roe v. Wade just legalized it nationally. It now is an issue for the states, which it is in Australia. Only last year was abortion fully decriminalized in South Australia. Two years ago in New South Wales. Like, we're not this fucking progressive beacon that can, like, sit so smug. Because the next time a conservative government is installed in Australia, who fucking knows what could happen? Tony Abbott was our minister for health a few years ago. Like, we're not... I don't even, I can't even be articulate because I see the same thing as what you're describing. And it makes me so upset. I think that, um, we should turn to the words of our dear friend, Penny Modra here. Mm -hmm. Stay nervous. Stay nervous, y'all. It's a guiding principle for a reason. I would love to recommend right now. I mentioned it before the story of Jane, a book by Laura Kaplan, who's part of Jane. I haven't read it myself, but it's now a copy is on its way to me because uh, I want to read more about these people. I also have a zine that I bought many years ago, maybe like 10 years ago, um, that I dug out of my shoebox of zines. It's called Jane Documents from Chicago's Clandestine Abortion Service, 1968 to 1973. It was published. I couldn't find a copy online, but I'm going to link in the show notes to um, a digitized version, a PDF of it. It was published by Firestarter Press, who um, the people there wanted to put the Jane's work into the context of not just the present day abortion debate. I say present day, this was published in 2004, but also the class divides of the women's movement and their ongoing need for self-organization. It features so many different kinds of uh, writing. There's a discussion with Judith Arcana, who uh, was from the Janes and featured in the documentary. She also has a piece of creative writing in it. There's a feature by Ruth Sergal called Organizing a Clandestine Abortion Service and Not for Nothing. Perhaps we need to revisit that. And I just wanted to read a couple of lines from the intro of this zine that really struck me. It says, the story of Jane begs us to ask, should we really wait for abortion to be outlawed before we take matters into our own hands? We've seen what legalization can accomplish, namely co-option leading to westernization. So what use is it to bat around various laws when what needs to be done is something we can do ourselves? 
and that is from 2004 by Firestarter Press. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If we didn't make you feel too sad or we gave you something to think or smile about or watch, you can leave us a five-star rating, please, or a review or both on Apple Podcasts. And we'd love it if you followed us on Instagram at Podcast and use that tag when you're sharing the podcast with your friends. Yeah, we love it when people share this podcast with their friends so that we're not just talking to our friends. We want to make new friends, you know? We want to make new ones. Someone made a meme about our podcast last week. That's cute. I loved that. Shout out Laura. Loved it. She loves High Octane now because we introduced her to it. Good. Great. Yeah. Thank you, as always, to Samuel Hodge for our imagery and to Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music. And remember, don't forget to... Go and fight for reproductive rights and justice after you get your butt implant. And fight the real enemy. (laughs) Bad butts. See ya. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.